Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Well, here we are at episode 52 of our weekly Pocket podcast, suggesting we've made it to our first year anniversary. We hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we've enjoyed making it. In the past 12 months, we've learned so much and have had some amazing guests, so make sure you check out all the previous episodes. But that was yesterday, so let's get on with today. My name is Stuart Miles, and welcome to the Pocket Lint Podcast. This week, we've got all the details from the Sonos launch, including the new Sonos Arc soundbar, the Sonos Sub, Sonos 5 speaker, and next-generation Sonos S2 software. I talked to the inventor of a new desk lamp that promises to help dyslexic sufferers read normally for the first time, and Mike, Pocket Reviews editor, joins us to give us his verdict on the new Huawei MateBook X Pro laptop. Does it benefit from the new 10th generation Intel processor? Well, stay tuned to find out. But first, Rick Henderson joins me to tell us more about Sonos. So Rick, what's the skinny? Well, Sonos pretty much replaced a lot of devices in its lineup. Uh, the headline one was the Sonos Arc soundbar, which completely replaces the play bar, which is about seven years old. I'm, I'm a big fan of the play bar. So um, basically, I was looking forward to any kind of replacement, especially seeing as this new one now comes with Dolby Atmos. That's its big new feature. It also adds Alexa and Google Assistant support, HDMI eARC, which is a higher bandwidth version of HDMI to connect to your TV, which adds other bells and whistles. Um, And essentially, it looks slightly nicer than the Play Bar, which was kind of a big beast of a soundbar. So is this a more impressive version of the Beam soundbar? Um, It's actually even... It has very similar features to the Beam, but um, a hell of a lot more drivers inside. It looks nicer than the Beam, I think. Beam is really designed to still sit on a TV stand, whereas the Arc looks like it's really designed to sit lovely on a wall, in a wall mount. And in fact, it has an intelligent sensor inside that knows exactly when it is on the wall mount rather than on a stand that instantly changes the EQ and changes sort of like the sound signature that comes out of it. It's really lovely. The idea, um, obviously, we haven't had it in for testing yet, so um, we'll, we'll defer any thought on what it actually sounds like. But the actual concept on paper sounds like Sonos has finally caught up. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, Sonos hardware has always been fantastic. You know, it's certainly a well-rounded sound. Giles Martin, who tunes it, the Giles Martin, i.e. son of George Martin, producer of all the Beatles tracks that we listen to throughout life. Um you know, he's got a very good ear and I've met him on a number of occasions. So, you know, he's a, he's a great guy as well in, in terms of understanding music and, and appreciating it. How's the software? What's happening on that front? 
Right, well, the software is coming out. Uh, there's a new system software coming out on June the 8th, and um, there's certain aspects to that that uh, legacy Sonos kit owners will be quite interested in, in the fact that it won't work on their legacy kit, but they can still use the existing Sonos software, just not not with the new features. But the new Sonos software has essentially been driven by the need to supply the Arc with Dolby Atmos because... The previous software just couldn't handle Dolby Atmos, basically, nor um, it needed to um, be completely rewritten from the ground up to be able to cope with higher resolution audio, um, different room groups, group in different rooms, etc. Um, it really, it, it, it's a better software will look very similar to the existing software, but it's coming to all devices apart from like a handful of really old 13-year-old devices. Now, no Play 3 update, however. So the 5 obviously replaces the Play 5, which replaced the original Play 5. Um, the, the 3 is the, is the sort of the elephant in the room, it feels. Yeah, um, the 3 just hasn't been replaced at all, although I would expect it to be at some point, or they might just decide that it's not really a need for it and probably doesn't sell very well. Um, the, the 5 is certainly um, the new version of the 5, which has a slight tweak on the design, um, but is mainly replacing because it has better memory processing um, and a couple of other things like the Wi-Fi signature is uh, slightly improved. Um, but it, it, that is, that's the speaker they're really pushing, that and the Sonos 1. I think the 3 is no longer really an important speaker in its lineup. It really doesn't do an awful lot. If you want to buy a stereo pair, for example, you mm. probably want to buy two 5s because they, they work like a proper um, audiophile-style stereo pair. If you want to add surrounds to your home cinema system, you'd add Sonos 1s. So where does the three set uh, sort of like fit in that? It doesn't really. So I, I suppose that's that's kind of their thought. Um, they've also updated the sub, uh, but you wouldn't notice it really. That's really purely an update that adds extra memory and extra processing, and it kind of is there for future use more than actually now. If you've got a sub second generation, then you're absolutely fine. So I was going to say, if you have the sub, can you just add that and still use the new S2 software? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you just the, the sub will instantly link with your new Sonos Arc. Even um, the Gen Two sub, even the Gen One sub is absolutely fine. I didn't even know there was a Gen One and Gen Two sub, <laughs> let alone a Gen Three sub. So um, it, you know, all of them work capably well. It's just that they they keep adding little tiny processor upgrade so that in future in 10 years time um some of the kit will work with the latest software when it comes to it brilliant and when's all this out um the software comes out on 8th of june the all the speakers come out on the 10th of june uh they're all available for pre-order now still to come mike gives us his verdict on the new huawei matebook x pro laptop Generally speaking, I think the 10th gen is better than you know the, the predecessor um, in terms of how long you can get, say, watching videos for. It will last a pretty decent innings. If you're dyslexic or know someone that is, you'll know that reading isn't the easiest of things. Bs become Ds all too easily, and that can make reading at times almost impossible. 
There are workarounds, of course, colour see-through paper that helps some, tricks that help others, but for the most part, it's a case of just getting on with it. In an attempt to solve this problem, Frenchman Jean-Baptiste Fontes created the LexiLight lamp. But how does it work? Is it a technology that's easy to use, and will it make reading for dyslexic people any easier? I put all these questions and more to Fontes, and started by asking him how he came up with the idea in the first place. Yes, um, so basically, uh, two years ago in France, uh, two French scientists did a discovery. Um, they proved that dyslexic people have actually two dominant eyes instead of one. What does, what does that mean? It means that um, the dyslexic people receive two images at the same time for the brain, the image and the mirror image, and uh, that creates the, what dyslexia can be. And um, basically, um, if you know, I don't know if you know dyslexic people, but uh, for um, symmetrical letters such as B, D, they are perceived the same way for the brain, and that's why it's very hard for dyslexic people to understand and to uh, see, like, is it a B or is it a D? And so, uh, after the discovery, my my little brother is dyslexic, and um, I had a chance to go and meet the um, the the two scientists, and the idea was to try to find a solution for this um, trouble, and um, by actually. Uh, pulsating and modulating the light in a certain way, you can actually uh, change and uh, change uh, the way the brain perceives things and actually erase the mirror image and see the text clear again. And so that's how it began. Uh, we uh, did the first prototypes and then finally uh, did a year and a half testing on a panel of 300 people dyslexic to prove that mm -hmm. the technology worked. And now, uh, starting January this year, we launched to uh, the uh, public. And so, how does it differ from? I know dyslexic people as well, and they, sometimes yeah. they, they use the sort of coloured cards, or you know, there's different techniques that are obviously out there. Yeah. Just people have to try and learn to, to deal with the B and D situation. Yeah. How how does this? How does this differ? Is it because you're tricking the brain to believe you're seeing something else with the use of light? Yes, exactly. So the so there are a lot of tools are already uh, in the market, and a lot of tools that help uh, the the idea to, uh, of dyslexic people, you know, to um, to trick the brain and make them uh, able to analyze better what they are trying to read. Um, the the chance we have with the lamp is that it really uh, goes into the science, I would say, and um, and can trick the brain directly. Uh, through the modulation of the light waves. And so the idea is, as the dyslexic people are receiving um, two images at the same time, the idea is to create one dominant eye. And basically, the lamp is pulsating in a certain way where uh, one of the eyes are, is not dominant anymore. And so basically, uh, cutting the light at a certain point can uh, make the brain choose one uh, image and not the other, and that's how we are tricking the brain. Uh, every dyslexic are different, and so the lamp we sure. have set it, we have settings, and the idea is to find the right setting. So it's not a unique lamp, I would say. You have to after customize it and make sure you can find the the clear spot where uh, you know it's as in binoculars. I would say uh, is the idea to try to find the right setting to see the text clear again. 
And so if you're in a room with someone that's using this light, is it, you talked about pulsating, you know, the light pulsates and stuff. Can you, can you detect that for other people? Is that, is it off-putting for, for non-dyslexic people? It's, it's really, yeah, it's, it's really a micro-sensitive uh, uh, pulsation. So you, you are not seeing anything uh, if you are close to uh, someone using the lamp. It's not uh, troubling anymore at, at all. It's very, uh, it's, it's seen as a regular lamp. How you can see it's uh, it's pulsating. It's when you 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 film the lamp or when you uh, you can see that the, there is a, something going on with the with the light. But if you're just close to someone, there is no problem. And actually, people already use it. So we have a lot of children using the lamp at school. Um, and so we have um, yeah the, the teachers accepted for them to to bring the lamp and to work with it. And so. Um, uh, yeah, and that does not uh, at all trouble the, the other pupils. And the tech, obviously with technology, you know, we, we all read books, that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. But we also spend a lot of time in front of yeah. computers or tablets or mobile phones. How, how does mm-hmm. it work? Does it work on screens as well? Or do you have to do something something different? Um, yes. So we, we wanted to start where, um, like where we would have the most impact. And so it was the reading and the reading at schools. That's why we started with the lamp, um, because um, the idea was really to like help the children who are uh, disgusted by uh, reading, um, like you know, be confident again in reading. And so we wanted to start with the desk lamp for this. Um, right. However, um, the lamp can be used uh, also for tablets for phone. If you put them uh, under the, the light, it works as, a, as well as a, as a regular text. And you can also uh, turn the head of the lamp up. So uh, you, you can also light directly a screen, a uh, computer screen. We know it's not the best way yet, but uh, if you need to, you can uh, always with the current lamp, uh, light the screen and, uh, and help uh, what you are reading through the light. And so, of course, after the real uh, thing that you have to do is really what you need to read should be under the light and uh, should not be troubled by external light. Uh, that's why, like for example, the sunlight is very uh, troubling. Uh, so we 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 say to people that it's better for them to read in you know a, a more uh, shadow space where uh, you you are the main lamp is uh, the Lexi light. And do you, do you foresee a future where the technology is built into the screens that we use? Is that possible, or is it something that is that is only available in the lamp? Yeah, definitely. We have a R&D team working on on now thinking of where we can uh, adapt the technology, and we have a lot of opportunities there. And with with that, is there is there else is there could the technology be used elsewhere? As, as I said, is is obviously a lamp, but could you yeah. use it for other applications? Um, you mean other than dyslexia? Well, hey, yeah, probably I fold that into two questions. Then, other than dyslexia, could does this have any benefits? You know, for people that perhaps mm-hmm. don't have dyslexia or don't even realise they have dyslexia, or could you turn the technology, as you say, put it into screens and put it into other other applications? Yes, yes. So, other than dyslexia, it's it's really focused on dyslexia, and right now uh, we want to keep the technology for dyslexic people. It's really based on this discovery, so we are uh, really focusing only on dyslexia yet. 
but uh, we know and when i say dyslexia it's really for the reading um for dyscalculia dysorthographic um we are now um you, you know uh, seeing if there is an impact or not we are too young yet to to uh, to have uh, as many data as possible for to say yes it also helps dyscalculia uh, and dysorthographic uh, people However, uh, we are still working on this. And yes, after for the second question, we are thinking of uh, integrating the technology in other uh, tools and uh, and screens can be, uh, we are working on that um, to, to make sure, uh, yeah, first the technology can adapt well and after uh, where, uh, yeah, how, how we are launching it, uh, it's also uh, right now under the questions, but, um, we know that schools already use a lot of tablets uh, for this for the children and sometimes also laptops so the idea is to to see how how we can adapt that uh, for the dyslexic uh, so we can uh, add this tool to them uh, so after they can continue learning as they used to do but uh, uh, with dyslexic people included this and um, and it's available now or is it is it out soon because i know you showcased it at, at ces at the beginning of the year Yes, exactly. We launched officially at the CES. It was under pre-orders at the CES. We have uh, already um, uh, delivered the first batch. So everybody who ordered after the CES. And now we are uh, building the next production. Uh, so we will be stocked. And normally, because of the COVID, it was a bit delayed because the factory is closed and everything is made in France. Um, and so... Um, uh, everything starting June uh, should be everybody would be able to to deliver be delivered in five days. It's been a bit of a rough ride for Huawei in the European market since its phones, such as the Mate 30 Pro and P40 Pro, have been unable to release with Google services. However, that has had no direct impact on its Windows laptop business, with the third generation MateBook X Pro arriving with updated 10th gen Intel Core i Eternals. To look at the MacBook X Pro certainly has some Apple-like cues. No surprise giving its name, design and clear targeting of the MacBook Pro. But in many cases, it goes one better than Apple's current Pro offering thanks to a minimal bezel, touchscreen control and Nvidia discrete graphics. So does all that add up to a great Windows laptop? Mike Lowe, Pocalint Review Editor, joins me to discuss more now. So Mike, what's it like? It's pretty good, actually. And... I think given what you've just alluded to in the kind of struggles that the company is having, um, this is a laptop that I think a lot of people perhaps don't even know exists. Um, it's kind of very quietly launched um, and this is the third generation one. In the same way that Apple kind of launches, it hasn't changed its design. Um, when it came out, I think the first was 2000, uh, sorry, 2018. And uh, even then it kind of showed that the kind of design standards that this company was managing to put out were really you know quite uh quite ahead of the time really in terms of just having a screen that didn't really have big black bezel around the, the edges um and that's a design that's kind of stuck but like i say i think getting getting hold of it and actually being able to find one is kind of probably the biggest struggle with this laptop really because it offers a lot of um really decent performance and, and design points to be honest and it seems that in in the Windows space, there's there's a lot of people shouting 
quite loudly about you know Dell XPS, for example. You've got you know the Microsoft Surface range uh, and and things like that. And how does this all how does this kind of fit in with those products? Um, so yeah, it's very much a Windows machine. So there's no need to to discuss Android, which is where Huawei is having its issues. Um, it, it's kind of I think big companies such as Microsoft with the Surface are very much established. Um, kind of its own solution like surface is kind of technically a tablet you know it's a bit like the windows ipad pro sort of competitor um, and they've really carved out ownership of that that area um dell has done extremely well um in kind of innovating design as well um and and they kind of through enterprise and being an american company they've really done extremely well across the windows space so I think Huawei's tactic when it first came out with this really was to say, hey, you know, Apple's doing very well with the MacBook Pro. What's the kind of Windows alternative that we can deliver with some arguably better features for a, for a decent price point? And that's really, I think, its, um, its intended appeal. So is there anything you don't like about it? I, I've heard that the 10th generation uh, Intel processors do go a bit guzzle happy on the battery. Is that the case here? Um. It, it kind of depends what you do with it. So if you're really pushing it, then yeah, you can you can see the battery kind of fold. Um, if you don't, I've actually been quite impressed with how it balances out the, the power. So generally speaking, I think the 10th gen is better than you know the, the predecessor um, in terms of how long you can get, say, watching videos for. It will last a pretty decent innings. Uh, 10 thing to not like about it, it's got some oddities. Um, the, the screen's a bit glossy, um, and this is kind of a thing that happens on a lot of laptops. But if you're outside or you're in a place, you know, a coffee shop, whatever, where there's a lot of light, that reflection can be a little bit irritating. Um, and one of its kind of standout but peculiar features is um, because the bezels are so small, it doesn't have um, a camera within those bezels because it can't fit one in. So mm. put it under the F7 key. So rather than it being an actual key that you can press, you touch it and a little camera kind of pops out. Um, that angle, whether or not you have a good chin line or not, yeah. really isn't the most flattering. Um, so it's kind of an ingenious placement, but also a kind of completely baffling one. Um, that, but that's similar uh, to that's similar to the Dell XPS range. I think they have the the because of the bezel issue, they have the camera in the bottom where the logo normally sits. And one of the guys on the team, Apocalypse, has one. And I won't say who because it's a bit unfair on him. But yeah, he doesn't have a chin for a, a low-facing camera. <laughs> Bless him. And all you see is the is his big hands just tapping away as, as he's doing video calls. It's not even just Dell. I mean, even uh, I think Lenovo also does similar, where they have like a large bezel at the bottom, so it gives a similar kind of look. The way around that with those kind of devices is often they come with um, full flip-around hinges, so you can flip it into a tent position um, to get the camera kind of up the top. Uh, once you make a call, um, although sometimes you'll be kind of hanging from the ceiling in that call unless you make <laughs> adjustments in your Zoom camera or whatever it is, whatever application you're using for that call. Brilliant. And so on on all those things, whether the good and the bad, would would you say this is a thumbs up for the MacBook X Pro? Um, it's a decent laptop. It's it's a little bit hard to find. I think is one of its kind of difficulties um, particularly as it was kind of removed from Microsoft store from the last generation uh, so getting hold of one is probably the most troublesome thing you're going to have about it screen being reflective is a bit of a pain 
Um, but really, it's kind of a surprise that this company is making this stuff and perhaps it's not doing uh, as well as it could do because genuinely, it's a, it's a really decent performing laptop that shouldn't be overlooked. That's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Until next time, pip pip. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.